From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. I love that song. I just wanted to hear it. Normally, we just play a little bit, but that's uh, Jeff Eden from Studio 8 who provided that uh, wonderful theme song. Uh, thank you for that, Jeff. I get a lot of great feedback. Hey, welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and warm yourself by the fire. You are among friends. This is indeed The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Uh, I have just returned from a, a tour of the uh, Pacific Northwestern United States where I met some of the most fascinating inventors, innovators, and I saw some absolutely incredible devices. It's uh, a part of a new TV project I'm working on. I actually got a a chance. Now, I have known John Hutchison of the Hutchison Effect for probably close to 15 years, but only over the phone. We've done a number of radio programs uh, on his work. You may recall the Hutchison Effect back in the, uh, the 1980s using extremely uh, high voltages, playing around with electricity, he was able to generate, according to uh, some reports, uh, including uh, Colonel John Alexander from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, who confirmed this, uh, John Hutchison was able to create an anti-gravitic effect and other things as well, Uh, metals changing their, their nature. Uh, almost turning into a gelatin-like uh, uh, material. Anyway, so I, 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 um, I'm, I'm in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, I, I arrive in Gold Beach, Oregon, which, if you've never been to the Oregon coast, it is absolutely spectacular. Very different from California. You don't have the sandy beaches. It's very almost prehistoric. Of course, you've got the magnificent redwoods. You've got these cliffs, rocky uh, cliffs and and huge rocks sort of jetting out of the uh, or jetting out of the uh, the sand out of the um, the ocean out of the surf high up into the sky jagged rocks it's just spectacular and um, anyway we spent the, an evening actually at John Hutchison's place he has his twelve thousand square foot facility he and his lovely wife Nancy uh, where John now has lots of room for his equipment and uh, he has uh, created or built. This enormous, well, it's about 25 feet long. It's a ray gun, he calls it. And um, using uh, special frequencies, a combination of different radio frequencies, he is able to, he claims, this is the theory, uh, create this 40-mile protective bubble around Gold Beach in the Oregon coast, which is being uh, hit, slammed, by radiation from Fukushima. And we had the Geiger counters out, and he was showing me. Uh, that the uh, the number of rads, I guess, is the, the unit of measurement, one of them anyway, significantly less than um, than what it's supposed to be. Other readings, if you go online, I guess it's the uh, the U.S. Atomic Energy uh, Agency or or the EPA offering sort of daily radiation readings up and down the Oregon coast, and uh, the Geiger counter around John Hutchison Place showing less radiation. So, uh, anyway, John Hutchison, fascinating guy. It was great to meet him, and I met some other amazing people, including a woman who is making uh, geodesic domes. Uh, in fact, she's very close to uh, gearing up so that they can be 
created in 24 hours on a 3D printer using a, uh, a magnesium oxide substrate. Imagine, they're going to be printing geodesic domes, and these can be used for habitation, uh, greenhouses, a, a number of different things. But she's partnering with NASA, and her geodesic domes may in fact be used for habitation on Mars. Uh, so Asha Deliverance, uh, who I also met in Oregon, another fascinating uh, woman. All right, that's uh, just a little bit of my my uh, holiday vacation slideshow for you, the radio version. Ian Robertson is here. Great to see you again, Ian. He's on the other side of the glass, twisting the knobs and the dials. You were in San Francisco. Uh, I just missed you by a day. You were there like the the day after I left. So our, crothes almost pa- our paths almost crossed. Uh, anyway, he's on the other side of the glass, uh, twisting the knobs and dials. Albert Wenzel, my trusty story producer, is here running our HOA, Hangout on Air. And uh, once again, if you want to join the live stream, it's real simple. Just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. At Richard Serrett. S as in Simon, T. And while you're there, be sure to follow. That's at Richard Serrett. Go to the top of the feed and click on the tweet containing the HOA link. And you're in. It's as simple as that. Oh, uh, before I forget, I want to welcome, we have a brand new affiliate, WYDK 97.9 FM, WYDK 97.9 FM, and that is in Columbus, Georgia, or at least it serves that market. I believe it, it, it it's also in Alabama. Uh, thanks so much, WYDK 97.9 FM, uh, for making The Conspiracy Show part of your radio family. All right, don't forget, get on up to the website, strangeplanet.ca. That's really a landing page, and from there, you can go to uh, the Conspiracy Pro- conspiracy Show. That's the radio program you're listening to. Uh, and there's also a live events page at strangeplanet.ca. And my next live event is fast approaching the Bilderbergs, featuring investigative journalist and best-selling author of the true story of the Bilderbergs, Daniel Estulin. He'll be flying in from Spain Sunday, April the 17th at the University of Toronto. And you can order tickets online right there on the live events page at strangeplanet.ca. Or you can visit my good friends Patrick and Kadena at Conspiracy Culture, 1344 Bloor Street West. You can buy tickets right there in the store or by phone, 416-916-1696, or online on their website, conspiracyculture.com. The Bilderberg, Sunday, April 17th, at the University of Toronto, J.J.R. McLeod Auditorium. Hope to see you there. All right, I mentioned earlier I I met some incredible inventors in the Pacific Northwestern United States over the last uh, several weeks uh, for this uh, TV project I'm working on. But imagine, in the not-so-distant future, uh, when someone is able, using nanotechnology, to cure... Diseases, things like blindness, for example. Well, that day is coming. In fact, it may be fast approaching. Uh, It's also the subject of a brand new book uh, by my guest tonight on The Conspiracy Show, Maximilian Pereira, who was born in London, England, educated at Bancroft School, where his love of the written word was inspired by his English teacher. Maximilian studied film at York University here in Toronto, where he currently resides. And uh, he is the author of Second Sight, Maximilian, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm fine, thank you, Richard. Great to be on. Pleasure to have you. Uh, how did you get uh, involved or interested in uh, in nanotechnology? Um, <clears throat> I guess 
I would say it, it's the widget that is necessary for the book. There were other subjects that I wanted to address within the uh, the book, and that's what I needed to to get the job done without giving anything away, of course. And do you, are you a, are you a sort of a, an, an amateur scientist? Do you have a, a sort of a technical I, technical understanding of how nanotechnology works? I did some research uh, into nanotechnology, but I, I would say I'm, I'm more of an avid science fiction fan. So. <laughs> Um, I, I try to keep as, as, as vague as possible uh, when I deal with the science because obviously I don't want to have any flaws in the book. But, um, you know, I did research. I believe the first um, series about nanotechnology were in the 50s in, J- in uh, the University of Japan or something like that. So uh, we're, we're getting there, clearly, um, as a society right now. But um, I, it, was, it was more or less a widget. Right, right, and, uh, and a great premise to be sure. And you, you, right. you mentioned science fiction, and, and as you as you also noted, science is quickly uh, catching up. I was reading recently uh, about how uh, nanotechnology. Uh, I guess the first step is they're looking at creating certain proteins which could reverse uh, cataracts. So, right. and, and there are people. Obviously, that's one of the number one causes of blindness in the world. Cataracts, and uh, so that may be, you know, the first, the first uh, type of blindness that's conquered uh, using nanotechnology was uh, developed or being developed. I actually believe they're, oh. they're in, in, in England right now. Um, they're very, very close to actually getting that technology. I, I saw like a little ticker tape, like a headline on News Now the other day, and you know, I'm like, okay, when I started writing this book, it, it's a science fiction novel. It's not something that I anticipated happening within my lifetime, or at least not this soon. But, you know, as with many other things in our society, technology is really advancing at an exponential rate. Right. Well, let's give people a sense of uh, sort of a thumbnail sketch of what happens in the book. I mean, it is uh, entitled Second or titled rather titled Second Sight. And uh, you have this brilliant young scientist who, as we say, develops the nanotechnology to to cure blindness. Tell us a little bit more. Well, the the question is, is that we um, as as a a human being, we, we see um, less than 1% of the electromagnetic spectrum, which makes us virtually blind. Um, so the question is, is what, if, if you could use technology to enhance the eye, what else would that technology see? We are conditioned from children. You know, for example, you, you, you know, child, you know, Christmas is, uh, you have Santa Claus and that's your reality. And then you grow up and, and you're educated at school and then that's your reality. And as you get older, you discover new realities, uh, whether it be through religion or, or science or what have you. So we have a personal bias. We have, we have filters in, in the way that we actually look at the world around us. But technology doesn't have that. So it would observe what's out there in the same way that, you know, an X-ray scanner doesn't say, well, I can't see that because I'm not supposed to. It, it, it's easy because it's programmed to. So that's the premise of the book. What else would this technology see um, without that social bias? It's a, it's a great concept. It's almost uh, a, a metaphor, this, this blindness for, uh, I guess, cleansing or opening of the, 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 uh, the third eye and the pineal gland. Exactly, exactly. And there's also something else. I mean, I... I've, observed, I've had my fair share of experiences with the paranormal and what have you, um, but one of the, the real catalysts for, for writing this book was um, there's a shelter downtown, and uh, you know, I used to walk down to Cumsey Street, and I'd, on several occasions I observed this woman 
just hurling abuse at somebody or something or someone across the road at this that, this church that I've never seen opened. Now, personally, when I walked past this church, it always gave me the heebie-jeebies. My, my hair was standing in. I didn't like walking past it at night. But I was like, what what is this woman seeing? And is, is she crazy? Or, or are we perceiving people to be crazy because they actually see things that we can't? And I, and I, I thought maybe maybe she could see something. I mean, she was very vehement in her in her attack on whoever she was shouting at across the street, right? So that sort of got me thinking. You know, you start looking at things like um, animal ESP, like how is it a dog can go to the front door and wait for its master when the car's, you know, a mile away? Like, what what do they see? What do they know? Um, as a human, the human species is 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 relatively feeble when it comes to survival on this planet. As compared to our, you know, fellow animals, these guys can see at night, and, and and we can't, right? So all of these things got me thinking about what's actually out there, you know, what happens if people aren't actually mad? What happens if they can actually see and hear things that the majority of us, who conform to societal norms, um, can't see? Basically, Maximilian Pereira is here, and the, the book is Second Sight. Is this your first book, Max? Yes, it is. All right, and it's a, a fascinating read, and it tells the story of a, a, a brilliant young scientist who develops the nanotechnology to cure blindness, which is it's, it's kind of a, a, a metaphor. The idea is that although the human eye is remarkable uh, in its design, we are essentially all stumbling around blind. Uh, what happens when the, the doors of perception are cleansed? What will we truly be able to see, to perceive? We'll come back and discuss further when my conversation with Max Pereira continues right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. The book is Second Sight. It's a work of fiction by Maximilian Pereira, his first novel. And um, the idea here is, uh, you know, what if nanotechnology could radically enhance the function of the human eye, what else would it be able to see? Maximilian, you mentioned uh, before the break that you've had some paranormal uh, encounters that may have perhaps uh, uh, motivated you to write this, yeah, inspired you to write this book. Can we talk a little bit about about what you saw or what you think you saw? Um, Well, one... Uh, you know, I grew up um, just on the sort of edge of East London um, in, in what's known as the, the Greenbelt and Epping Forest, near Epping Forest. And, and this place is reputed to be very, very haunted. Anyway, um, I was coming back one night um, from a pub and um, there was a woman standing across the road. Uh, it's just a, a small road, two, two lanes, one each way. And uh, she walked across the road to me and asked me if I knew where there was a hotel. So I said, oh, yeah, you know, there's uh, the, the Roebuck Inn's just down the road. I'm walking that way. Um, I'll show you. So we got walking and talking, and I, I, uh, I said to her, where have you been tonight? Thinking she's probably at a bar or something. And uh, just to give you an idea, it's very, very quiet. It's late at night. There's not a car in sight. There's lots of forest around um, with a few houses behind trees and what have you. 
and uh, we're walking, and, I, and they said, you know, where, where have you been tonight? And she said, oh, oh, at the Mayfield. And the Mayfield was a what I thought was a, was a high-end abortion clinic, so I didn't ask any more questions. Ah. Anyway, so as we were walking, I sort of realized that I'm walking with a strange woman towards what you can only see as forest. I know that there are roads that go off behind the trees, right. but she's a stranger and she doesn't know. So I said, okay, I said, you see where that phone box is? As soon as you get there, you'll see a sign, and that's where the roadblock is. So I tried to cross the road, and I'd look back to point and show her the direction of the road, and she was gone. Mm. Absolutely gone. And there was nowhere for her to go. The only place she could have done is jump over some five-foot bushes into the front garden of someone's house, and I would have heard that and seen it. And I looked both ways up and down the street, right. and then I think I broke the land speed record that <laughs> night and ran back home. <laughs> right? Um, and funny enough, um, two years ago, a friend of mine was visiting me from London, and he said that a friend of his had a cab and picked up a woman at the same spot who asked her to go in the general direction towards Loughton or what have you, which is the, you know, the same direction I was walking in. Right. And she disappeared in oh, the back seat of his car. Oh, I've never, never told my friend this. He told me this, and this happened, well, um, over 20 years ago with me. So... Um, that was that was a shocker for me because here I am walking and talking with someone. Do I concede the possibility that she was very stealth and hid behind a bush? Possibly, but I know what I felt. I know what I saw. And, and uh, now looking back, do you remember anything? I mean, at the time, you just thought it was a, a you know a, a normal, perfectly normal human being. Uh, but then, in light of what happened, do you recall anything unusual about the way she looked? Her dress, um, her, her skin. I mean, she was, I, I didn't pay too much attention. Um, she was fairly well-dressed, I remember that. Um, you know, wearing heels, um, heels on yeah, that time. And I, 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 there's not, nothing that was out of the ordinary at the time. And that's really another thing as well. She's wearing heels, how could she have jumped anywhere? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, I, you know, obviously I had a few at the pub, so I was more interested in just getting home. But... Yeah, that was that was one major event in my life, and there are other, you know, uh, smaller events where you, you can feel presences, you know, um, around you, and uh, you know the, the hairs stand up on your on your arms and on the back of your neck, and you go, okay, what's that, and why do we do that? You know, why do humans have that sort of um, autonomic response, right? So what's actually there? What can't we see? Right, right. I, I mean, I've always wondered. I've had one paranormal experience in my life. Um, and I won't bore you with it. I've told the story many times on the radio, but it's um, it involved seeing my doppelganger just after my uh, my father was laid to rest. Wow! But that's sort of the the, the long story short. But um, other than that, I mean, I'm, I'm probably one of the least intuitive people. I've never seen a UFO. I've never I've never seen what I would call a ghost. Right. Uh, and I've always wondered, you know, the people that do. Uh, are their brains somehow wired differently? Does it have to do with their pineal gland? Is mine so calcified, you know, that I'm I'm not I'm not able to see these things? What you, do you think you it know is? What? It's it's interesting. I think that um, I think that basically it depends on it, your brain. As you get older, your brain becomes hardwired, right? And so you have to you have to have major shifts in 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 in, in knowledge or consciousness to, to to really look at the world differently. Um, intellectually, we can obviously do that, but on a, on a sort of spiritual um, feeling level, uh, I think certain experiences can shift you in a certain way to be more open to receiving information. Um, I, I, I started, I mean, I grew up as a, as a 
as a Christian, um, and I wouldn't say a devout Christian. I've been to church a few times. And my parents were Christian, but again, not devout. Um, but when I, I went to, to see the Vatican at 13 years of age, and it, and it just completely rocked me. Um, I, I sort of looked around. And I said, you know, these guys can solve world hunger in a heartbeat. There's, there's so much opulence here. And it, and it started making me question what my reality was. And I was lucky a year later, I got to go and see the pyramids and go and see the birthplace of Christ. And that was a hugely informative and eye-opening um, trip for me. So I, I started to look at the world in a different place. And I've always been fascinated with the paranormal. And I can I can take that back to um, a TV series that used to be on uh, in England on the BBC called uh, Arthur C. Clarke and His World of Strange Powers. And that fascinated me as a kid. So maybe I was just more open to it. And also growing up in... In London, you know, very old society, ghosts uh, ghosts come with the territory, right? <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Um, in the book, the uh, the scientist who who creates this technology, nanotechnology to cure blindness, uh, mm-hmm. obviously becomes, you know, wrapped up in a lot of um, subterfuge and intrigue and betrayal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, which is another kind of interesting metaphor because. You know the uh, the idea for those with eyes to uh, to see, uh, uh, and those who who search for the truth and and see things sort of the way they are, and are, you know uh, the uh, the old emperor has no clothes right. bit, often are targeted uh, for persecution. Is is that sort of the? Am I sort of going in the right direction in terms of the the metaphor that you were working there? Um, the, the protagonist. Um journey is a very personal one and it, I, I try to speak to um the, the the trials and tribulations that that most people have in their lives you know we you know star wars being the obvious you know you choose between the light and the dark side and all that kind of stuff i mean i think joseph campbell said there are only nine human stories right so <clears throat> you don't really stray too much far off of that so um what I was trying to do with the protagonist is basically show the journey that most of us face in our lives and the choices that we have and the signs and the signals that are always there. But sometimes we choose to ignore because it's more convenient to live in the paradigm that we've created for ourselves. So you'll find, I think, as, as, as sort of life goes on, that the signs and the signals to put you back on your path get louder and louder if you don't pay attention. And that's the sort of personal journey that I really wanted to explore with this character. Just uh, speaking generally about nanotechnology uh, for mm-hmm. a moment. Uh, obviously, radical nanotechnology is is sort of tied up with the whole idea of transhumanism and and mm-hmm. using technology to extend dramatically extend life, perhaps even uh, a quest for immortality. Do you, how do you feel about the transhumanist movement? Um, do 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 you see any? Are there any red flags there for you? Uh, massive, massive red flags. <laughs> Um, it, it, it's, it's like the, um, you know, the fear a number of years ago, you know, in, in certain conspiracy circles that the, the agenda was to microchip the population, uh, you know, and then it's the, the, the soft tiptoe, you know, like, the, you know, microchip your pets, uh, the military soldiers are getting uh, microchipped and uh, microchip your children so they can't get lost. And, you know, it gets in through the back door, but no one's asking the question, if you can track this, this device, can you not therefore program it? And so I think if, if you start putting it, the human, the human brain is already so susceptible to, to, to marketing and, and, and su- suggestion. If you put technology on top of that, um, 
then what's the point of the human experience? Because someone else with nefarious intent could more than likely program that person. All right. So I think that there are massive um, red flags in, in maintaining someone, uh, one, one's autonomy um, and, and freedom, um, spiritual freedom with um, doing that. I mean, I'm, I'm all for, um, you know, so you, know, you replace a hip or something like that, put a metal hip in or whatever the case may be, and you, you, you help someone in, in, in that way with their health. But um, when you start using this kind of technology, especially as I think as a species, we're not that mature as yet. We're still, we're still killing each other left, right, and center across the planet. So when you start um, introducing these game-changing technologies, the, there always seems to be the tendency to then use it to subjugate another set of human beings. So I don't think we've evolved enough yet as a species, or grown up enough, I should say, to, to start messing around with stuff like that. I, I've um, had um, occasion to interview a, a gentleman, an author by the name of Jim Elvich on the program a number of times, and, and this is not his theory, but the, he had a sort of borrowing from other thinkers in this arena, the idea that we are living in a digital simulation, you know, the matrix. Uh, and he talks about technology um, where you could bypass the optic nerve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, for example, I mean, you know, he uses a, sort of John Madden's NFL video game to sort of track the, the progress of the technology. And it's true if you look at, say, John Madden's you know, 2016 or whatever. It's yeah. almost impossible to tell the difference now between that video game and reality. And think about where we'll be in five years. Um, yeah, uh, and it's it's frightening. Um, I mean, I've uh, I've seen the, the change in the sort of the, the, the young generation. I mean, everyone's plugged in. You sit on the subway, everyone is plugged in. It's 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 very rare that you see someone reading a book. Um, and it, it's. Uh, you know what happens? I mean, you've got film like films like um, Surrogates and and, um, and obviously Matrix. Yeah, I mean, what happens if someone does <laughs> sit in a cubicle for a few days and, and live in an alternate world? I mean, I've, I've had friends who um, I, I don't know the names of the video games, but you know, you, you you create all of these worlds and you play with people all around the world, and they just sit in their rooms for days playing this alternate reality. And like the, the reality is right outside your door. What are you doing? You know, each to their own, but Yes, it is very frightening. I mean, according to David Icke, um, Ike, um, he, he believes that we, uh, we live in a holographic universe, and this is a holographic simulation that has been programmed. Right. And uh, very likely, <laughs> right? Right. And, and then imagine that, that they could, they, whoever they are, the designers of this holographic uh, reality, they could bypass our optic nerve, and so what we think we're seeing, what we think we are perceiving, what we think is reality... Uh, is all being programmed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there are the, the theories that uh, the planes that crashed into the uh, the Twin Towers were actually holograms, right? And they weren't actually real. And the, and the, and the, the towers blew up from the inside out, right? I mean, who knows um, where we are really technologically? I mean, there was a guy uh, called Leo Zagami. He claimed to be... Uh, ex-Illuminati, and he said that the, the, the governments right now, or the Western governments, especially America, they're like a thousand years ahead uh, technologically from what we actually see out there. So who knows? It could be true. I mean, it, it could be that our, our, our reality is being completely manipulated, and, and that's one of the things I want to address in the book is my who. Uh, because if you look at our society, um, we're sort of spun this tale that 
where these half apes that have evolved and are somehow stumbling through evolution, trying to figure it out with an economy and some religion and and it, it, the whole story doesn't really make sense. You know, every year new governments get elected, nothing really gets changed, and you know, poor people stay poor, and it's the same as it has been for the, the Hindu life. wheel of life. Right, and and and, and it, it seems a bit tiresome for for a so-called um, intelligent species. So, could it be that we are being deliberately um, sort of held in this matrix, so to speak? Uh, and then the question becomes, why? Um, you know why? What 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 purpose would that serve to have a, a, a sleeping population? And why um, is it that anybody that steps up and says, "Hey, by the way, I don't I don't think this is right," and you know the the avatars of the race, you step up and 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 try and show us that there's a greater reality that um, um, there's a better way. These people get killed relatively quickly, right? Exactly. Very quickly. So, what do the powers that be fear? And if they fear, then why are we fearing? <laughs> right? Maybe we should just open our eyes and take a look at what's around us. Maximilian Pereira is uh, my guest, and the book is Second Sight, and uh, it addresses a number of interesting issues. A brilliant young scientist who develops the nanotechnology to cure blindness. We'll come back and uh, continue this conversation when The Conspiracy Show continues right after this. Stay with us. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To see the light, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome Welcome back. Just a uh, programming note. Next week, as we uh, head on into Easter, uh, John Kerner, uh, historian John Kerner, will be uh, my guest. And here, let me show, uh, hold up the book for those uh, following us on the uh, the live stream. Hunting the Nazarene, the Second Resurrection of Christ. Very controversial uh, thesis laid out in the book by John uh, that Jesus Christ was, in fact, uh, after his resurrection... He was hunted down, killed a second time, and rose from the dead a second time. And he says this is being suppressed. And he uh, he points to a mathematical code he uncovered in the Gospel of John uh, to make his case. That's John Kerner, Hunting the Nazarene, the Second Resurrection of Christ. Uh, and also our good friend, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, remote viewer, medical intuitive, clairvoyant, will be here. Uh, and I want to just quickly point out uh, that for those of you who uh, follow... Douglas Cottrell's uh, career and exploits and so forth through this program, uh, the many his Many Mansion Spiritual Center uh, monthly service Saturday April the second, eleven to four eleven a.m. to four p.m. and they'll be holding their miracle healing event in Toronto at the Holiday Inn downtown, Carlton and Young Streets. That's Saturday April the second, eleven a.m. to four p.m. in Toronto at the Holiday Inn downtown, Carlton and Young Streets. And to reserve seats, please call the Many Mansion Spiritual Center, 289-396-7699, 289-396-7699. Or you can go to a Many Mansion Spiritual Center at gmail.com. Email them at Many Mansions Spiritual Center at gmail.com. All right, uh, back to our conversation with Maximilian Pereira. Uh, the book is Second Sight. 
and um, uh, talking about the 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 use of tech, nanotechnology to cure blindness. And uh, this particular scientist uh, who, who discovers this cure, um, well, falls into a world of uh, of intrigue and betrayal. I mean, you can imagine uh, the uh, the elites of this world, whoever they are. Um, the archons that are controlling this little blue marble, how upset they would be if suddenly uh, we could see things as they truly are. I suppose, uh, uh, you know, short of using nanotechnology, and this is a you know a technology that may not be available to to many or most of us. Um, there's also uh, ayahuasca, which uh, you know has, has been proven to open certain doors as well. Have, have you ever done any research on ayahuasca? Um, I, I, I understand that that was the um, route that started uh, David Icke's journey. Um, oh, is that right? I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, that's that's uh, <laughs> back in the 1980s. I think he he had he's going through a, a bad time in his life or something, and he went down to uh, South America and he and he did the ritual, and that that just opened him up um, to, to to his path in life. Um, I also have a friend that has recently um, done it, um, and uh, we, we talk briefly. I mean, it's it's, it's a very sacred uh, ritual, so obviously he couldn't discuss too many things. But he um, he uh, sort of played me some music that he's created. It's pretty fantastic. So um, I, I am aware of I am aware of it. Yes, I interviewed uh, a Dr. Charles Groban. Uh, a grobe rather uh, at the UCLA Medical Center who was using uh, well, a synthetic form of, of magic mushrooms or sort of psilocybin mm-hmm. uh, which was being used to ease end of life anxiety in, in terminally ill cancer patients and I, and I even talked to some of the patients uh, same sort of thing I mean a, a, a profound spiritual um, uh, experience they had while and, and it did it just wiped out all fear of death Um and uh, it's 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 a very very liberating kind of effect. I mean, uh, are you, you know, are you aware of um, are you aware of a uh, Dr. Michael Newton PhD? Doctor, I'm sorry, Michael 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 Newton Michael Newton. PhD. No, no. He wrote a book called um, Journey of Souls, and uh, I, I found again, you know, with regards to death and, and perception of reality. This was a major consciousness shifter for me. Um, this book, he, he, he did past, or he does past life regressions, but he became curious uh, to find out um, what happens between lives. He said, okay, you know, if, if someone's reincarnated in the 1800s and comes back in the mid-60s, what happened in the time in between? And he delved into this whole other world and, and, and really sort of looks at what, or what, who we are as spiritual beings on what we would call the other side. And um, <clears throat> it seems that we have the choice when we come here, <laughs> or we choose to come here. It, it's very much a university or a school, and that's why we come here. So going back to what you were saying about the uh, the guy at UCLA, um, using the, the synthetic drugs to ease the, the, the fear, why do we have that fear? Why is there that fear of death? Um, and, and it's instilled in us um, from 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 birth. Why is why is there constant fear instilled in our in, in every society? Well, it's a wonderfully it's controlling. It's a controlling mechanism for sure. Exactly right. So 
why i mean obviously no one wants to die in a horrible way but every account um that that you uh, you you read about you know past in past life regressions there's very little pain for the most part people once they've gone to die they they pass on it's it's relatively quick um and and loved ones are immediately there to support you you know unless bad things have happened but um so why the fear well it serves a purpose yeah it certainly does all right we'll take a time out come back one more segment remains with maximilian Pereira, author of second sight right here on the conspiracy show stay with us question everything this is the conspiracy show with richard sarah Welcome back. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. S Y because I love you. R E T at Richard Serrett. And uh, be sure to follow. Uh, Maximilian Pereira is here. Second sight. Uh, raised in, uh, born and raised in London, England, and uh, educated at Bancroft School, uh, and attended uh, film school at York University. Any uh, thoughts uh, of turning Second Sight into a book, Max? Uh, or, uh, sorry, turning the book into a film. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, when when uh, when the editor was going through the book, uh, she said to me, she said, uh, it looks like this is designed to be a movie. So she put all the section breaks in to make it a lot easier for, for a treatment. So, yes, absolutely. Uh, there are some discussions, uh, some preliminary discussions that have taken place. So I'm waiting to hear back from some people. But, yeah, that that was the uh, the main aim is to get it either as a television series or uh, or as a movie. Um, I mean, my primary objective with this book is not only to, to entertain, but to, to let people ask questions. Just, you know, do your own research, basically. Ask questions. Say, hey, what if? You know? <laughs> um, and then come to your own conclusions. Because I think if, if, we, if we sort of just look at the, the daily news and accept that as our reality, then... Uh, um, consciousness, is, consciousness is not going to shift too quickly. Uh, we were talking about the pineal gland or the third eye. Yeah. Uh, the, the brow chakra. Um, it's said that, um, uh, the cannabis, marijuana can, uh, can activate the, uh, help turn on the third eye or the mind's eye, if you will. How much of the prohibition of, of marijuana and, and, and other, uh, drugs do you think is is connected to uh, sort of the elites not wanting us to wake up? Um, probably a lot of it. I mean, a lot of drugs are, are dangerous. But I think with regards to um, marijuana or, you know, using hemp in, in particular, the fact is that you, you can grow it everywhere. So anyone could be a farmer, so to speak. And so that makes it very hard to control the supply and therefore very hard to tax it and make money from it. So I think, you know, governments seem to be this uh, intermediary body that protects the elite from us and, and, and you know, <laughs> keeps us in our, in our rightful place. So um, I can't speak to whether marijuana can do that for the pineal gland, um, but clearly, you know, the, the U.S. military were that were experimenting with LSD in the '60s and and and, and stuff like that. So they know that this stuff opens up a new doorway for us. 
So would they want to keep that away from us? Yeah, absolutely. But um, I, th- I think a lot of it is down to, uh, with marijuana, I think it's down to the, the, the control of supply and the ability to make money off of it. We were talking earlier about uh, the paranormal, and you, you shared with us one of your paranormal encounters. And uh, I, I have a number of paranormal researchers on the program, people like Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who's a full-time uh, investigator, researcher, written over 60 books, some of the major encyclopedic works on the subject. And she talks to me about, uh, frequently about what she perceives as this this thinning of the veil between uh, you know this dimension and, and others. And I'm wondering... Uh, you know, and, and, and she's doing this. She's part of this major survey on on paranormal experiences, and uh, uh, she perceives that there is again this thinning of the veil. More and more people are having paranormal experiences, whether it's seeing UFOs, whether it's seeing ghosts, whether it's remembering past lives. What do you think is happening here? Um, I think that we are coming to the end of uh, the great year. Or <laughs> Was it 26,000 years is the great year? We're, we're uh, finishing a massive cycle. Um, you know, the Mayan calendar wasn't the end of time. It's the end of this cycle. Um, I, you know, I think was it Plato that talked about the golden age of men when we lived for uh, 900 years and we spoke to the animals. Um, there's also the Book of Enoch that, you know, Enoch lived for three, 400 years or something like right, that. So, right. so, you know, after Atlantis, it would seem that there was the fall of man. There was some kind of dimensional shift. There was the fall of man, and we, we came down into the third dimension. So I think what's happening is, is a natural um, um, progression back into the fifth dimension. And, you know, just like the salmon swim back to their home, uh, at the end of every cycle, we're trying to get back home, which is to a, to a, a more loving and higher frequency, a higher vibrational state, uh, closer to the source or God or whatever you want to call that entity so it, it's quite feasible that the powers that be that have made their home in this third dimension um uh want to stay here and and still be kings of the castle because you know in the fifth dimension things uh move a lot quicker and and there's just love uh, and no fear or hatred so their use would would be uh, scuppered so um i think that's what's happening i hope that's what's happening um, and if you if you sort of look back 20 years or so, um, even this, the discussion of any of these subject matters, people have thought you were crazy and, 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 and out to lunch or, you know, taking some kind of drug. But it's it's coming into uh, the general paradigm right now that, that what we've been told the nature of reality is, is not what it is at all. And it's up to people, I think, to, to discover their own reality or their own personal reality. And it's their responsibility, really, as opposed to just being passengers on the planet. We're all co-creating this, this story. And, and the question is why and, and to what end? I think to drive the species back to where it belongs, which is a, a, a more divine existence. Well, if we go back uh, 3,000 years, you know, to the, the time of the, the Old Testament, uh, before the, you know, we were, we were communing with, with angels, uh, exactly. uh prophets, uh, you know, speaking directly with God, the age of miracles. So do you think we're getting back to that time? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, things can happen in different ways. Yes, technology plays a part in it, but, um, you know, there's there's there are healers out there that are that are doing doing miracles right now. I mean, I you know I, I haven't seen a doctor in years, and I don't need to. Like I go to homeopathic healing. I 
people that don't even put their hands on me if you you know get hurt playing a soccer game or something and they heal you. It's, is that a miracle or is it just using the energy or someone who understands how to, to manipulate that energy field around the body? Um, do we really understand the nature with which we live in, um, within which we live in? Because, you know, we're the only species on the planet that requires clothes. So do we, are we actually native to this planet is, is a question. And, and uh, are we are we hostile to this planet? You know, I think we have to look at our place on the planet as well. So um, and, and, and sort of uh, balance out, so to speak, and, and, and live in more harmony with, with our surroundings and our, and our fellow creatures on the planet. You mentioned a, a paranormal experience. You said that was kind of the major one when you saw this, what appeared to be a ghost, mm-hmm. uh, walking along uh, in, in East London, this forested region of East London. What? what uh, you've had others, though. Can you share any of those with me? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> there, there, were, there were quite a few sightings uh, at, at my fraternity house here in Toronto. Um, one time, three of us were sitting in the living room, um, looking in three different directions and all three of us heard someone walking down the back steps of the house and I turned to look and saw a shadow. My friend was looking directly at it saying, you know, I won't use the expletive, did you see that? And we all ran to where we heard someone walk down the steps and no one was there. I've seen shadows in, in that house. Um, one of, um, I, my, my father died 10 years ago and the night that he died I could not sleep and um, when I was finally falling asleep, I felt someone touch my hand, and it woke me up. And I got the phone call about 10 minutes later that he died. So, you know, that was one. I, I saw um, my grandmother standing at the end of my bed before, two weeks before she died. Um, same thing with my grandfather. Um, so I've, I've seen lots of things like that. Um, um, and, and more often it's feelings as well, um, real uneasiness in certain places. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's been a few. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, no, you've had more than your share, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, how about UFOs? Ever had, had a sighting? Um, the only thing I'll say is I was, uh, I was in East London in a place called Stratford at my, my great aunt's place. And she lived, I think, about on the 13th floor. So from that vantage point, you could look out um, across northeast London to the hills where Woodford and Buckerstill, where I lived, were. And I saw what looked like, you know, your traditional sort of saucer-shaped vehicle slowly moving across where the hills were. I mean, this is, you know, a good 10, 15 miles away. So it could be anything. It could have been a, 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 balloon, a, a hot air balloon or whatever the case may be. But this is at night time and it was glowing. Um, anyway... My aunt and I observed it for about, I'd say, five, six minutes, and I thought nothing more of it until I read the local newspapers and local people have reported seeing a UFO. So I'm like, well, if I'm looking from East London out this way, and I thought it was a UFO, if people are looking directly up at it, maybe it's a UFO. But of course, you know, the Royal Air Force said no, 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 it was... It was a balloon or, you know, the, the usual military cover-up. Right, exactly. Swamp gas. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the I light mean, from a distant lighthouse. Exactly. You know what you my, saw. My, my great aunt, God rest her soul, she was, uh, she was born in 1910 and she said, oh, that does look funny, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. In the, the typical uh, British stoicism. Right. Uh, yes. Right. Oh, isn't that an odd little thing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just give us a, uh, without giving too much away in, in the book Second Sight, um, mm-hmm. 
Give us a little sense of what what uh, the, these patients that undergo this this nanotechnology treatment and cure their blindness what what some of them see. Wow. Okay. Without giving too much away, um, that's a tough one. Um, I would say that it would challenge uh, your views um, or challenge or confirm your views about uh, religious beliefs. Um, and if you can imagine that, you know, uh, oh, that's a tough one, Richard. That's all right. No, well, let's, we'll leave it at that. It'll challenge yeah. your religious beliefs. It will challenge your religious beliefs or confirm them. All right. And, um, yeah. So where can people get a, a copy of Second Sight? Uh, you can get it anywhere. You can get it, uh, well, here in Canada, obviously, Chapters in Indigo, um, Amazon.com, obviously. Uh, if you go to my website, um, www.maximilianperera.com, um, there are various links that you can go through. Like, so for example, if you're in England, you can you can buy from Author House UK. In United States, you can buy from Barnes and Noble. It's available world worldwide. And how, what's the reaction to the book been been like? Uh, really, really positive. All five star reviews so far. Excellent. Let me uh, yeah. spell the website: MaximilianPereira.com. That's M A X I M I L I A N. Maximilian, and then Pereira. P is in Peter. E R E-I-R-A, MaximilianPereira.com, and we've connected to your website on our website here at strangeplanet.ca. Max, thanks so much for this. I really enjoyed our conversation. Richard, thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. All right. Second sight, Maximilian Pereira. Okay. I mentioned the website. Let me give it to you again, strangeplanet.ca. That's your landing page, and from there are so many different places you can go. Of course, you can go to the radio page for this program, The Conspiracy Show. There's the TV show, the TV page, and uh, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, Season 4, coming soon across Canada on Vision TV. I know you've been very patient. We're just waiting for a date to launch, and uh, we'll have brand new episodes coming your way. And, of course, don't forget the live events page. Check it out. There's always something going on there. Big one coming Sunday, April the 17th. The Bilderbergs. Hope you'll be along for that. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. And, as always, follow the truth. Mm-hmm.